Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It feels good, man. It feels good, right? right. Yo, yo, I'm in the light at the end of the tunnel. Hello and welcome back to Small Market Bias, a podcast about the San Antonio Spurs. My name is Matthew Tynan, and joining me today is a man who just recently in Sacramento got to see Victor Wembanyama in person for the first time. Trevor Zickraff, how was the experience? I, I tell people all the time, as great as he is on television, it's a different experience in person. Well, I was going to say, uh, if you had not said it, I was going to say, Matt, I'm the man who has seen uh, the Spurs live uh, more in the last two weeks than you have, because I actually got to see them That's on, true. The road, on the road trip. Uh, the Wimby experience was um, was a lot of fun. You you really don't appreciate, like, like he made DeMontis Sabonis look like a shooting guard. Like, DeMontis Sabonis is like, what, 6'9"? I think he's, he's listed at 6'10 or 6'11". He's probably 6'9". But... Um, yeah, it was just like, like Sabonis was like looking right at his chest for the jump ball. Yeah. And um, now, Dewan Sabonis uh, was an interesting proposition for Victor Wimbanyama because he just. He's tough, man. He's tough. A, like, yeah, like, <clears throat> like he was able to get right in the middle of his body and just like get where he needed to be. And then he's so patient on the block, Sabonis is, is that, you know, like he did like, he had to do like three or four different moves to try to get a shot off, but like, it was like Victor was ready for the first move, the second move, the third move. And then I think he just didn't expect Sabonis to be like, all right, I got one more little spin here. And so there was like three or four times where Sabonis just got him close to the basket and was able to get around his alien arms to to get the basket. And there was a couple times where Wemby just looked visibly frustrated that he was not able to get to those shots. Yeah. Um, and they're back again next week here. The Spurs are back here next week. I'll, I'll be very curious to see um, – how Victor personally adjusts to Sabonis. Cause I do feel like Victor is the type of guy who uh, remembers uh, who he struggles against and, and everything like that. So I'm excited. I'm also excited, Matt. My, uh, my parents are coming to town just for a, a visit, not uh, just coincidental. Um, and so uh, we're going to all go to the Spurs game. Uh, oh, that yeah. night. And uh, they haven't, nice like, family we have outing. family outing. We haven't like Rory, my son at Rory hasn't been uh like my parents haven't been to a Spurs game with him, obviously because mm-hmm. they're in San Antonio and we're in Sacramento. So it's fun. It'll be a first, a uh, good first time outing. We're going to make sure we get some seats closer to uh, this last game. We were sitting basically on the opposite side of the court from where the Spurs bench is. Now I'm, I'm ah, going to look for okay. some seats closer just so we can see all the activities and uh, on the bench. That's always a fun thing to, I, I always enjoyed um, when Duncan was still here uh, as in an active player, not on this earth. Um, I always enjoyed getting seats closer to the spur side of the court uh, of the bench. Um, Cause you just got, it's just fun to see the interactions and who's, who's talking to who and, and Duncan, especially like he was always the guy who had his arm around somebody just walking them through stuff. And um, just always enjoy that quiet, like being able to see that quiet leadership up, up close is always uh, entertaining. Yeah. Being close to the bench is cool. Um, it's cool being near the court in general, but if you're, if you're around the bench or in at least in a fairly close proximity to the bench to where you can see, like you said, the activity, it, it just enhances the experience. Um, we're going to move on here in a second, but I just real quick want to get to, uh, Demonis Sabonis, like 
the the thing about him also is like there there is there are very few players in the league who have the combination of power and finesse that he mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. and and it's in like he did the thing like you mentioned getting into Victor's body burying him under the basket being patient a lot of guys aren't patient with Victor once he's in once he's in their little bubble they get rid of the ball they get it out of yep. there they don't want to mess with it but uh, but Sabonis was really patient. And the other element that he adds is he's such a good passer. Like you don't, it, you don't, it's so difficult to guard him as a big, cause you're not yep. totally sure how to play him. If you play him for the pass, he's going to, he's going to bury you. He's going to dribble right into you, drop a shoulder, get really physical. So uh, there are all these elements to his game that are so difficult for the, for guys who are sort of uh, slight with slight builds to deal mm-hmm. with. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see if Victor can respond because it, there is that inherent element of Sabonis is just a lot stronger than him right now. And he's going to play the way he wants to play. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, interesting to see how Victor responds, because you're right. He learns quickly. Uh, he he shows an incredible understanding from like one week to the next um, or at least exhibits the the ability to learn quickly learn on the fly and he will be tested again by Sabonis in the near future um we're gonna get into the show here in a second but first a word from our sponsor bet online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up to the minute odds stats and trends you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices head to bet online today to become part of the team and remember to use the promo code believe that's b l e a v for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online the game starts here, Trevor. Oh. Uh, normally, this is where we would play a little game or something, but in the interest of time, I just wanted to throw this out there because mm-hmm. it has been a source of much frustration for Spurs fans and for Thunder fans. Uh, they've been at each other's throats all season long. NBA award discourse has become so toxic online over the last couple of years and i just want to let the people know that as of now on bet at bet online oh, victor Wimbanyama is a minus 800 favorite to win rookie of the year chet holmgren plus 500 so let's put it all to rest <laughs> i don't i don't think there was ever really much of a doubt especially as victor began to improve, began to tighten up his game. Yeah. All the five by fives, the triple double with blocks. It was, it was getting to a point where it was like, okay, like we know, we know who the rookie of the year is and it was going to be Victor all along. Uh, but let's just settle it and be, be, be okay. Be at peace with what's happening and move on and uh, focus on other things to get mad about. Which I think it would be, I think it would be cool a way to unite us is to push for both Wemby and Chet in this positionless award world to hope that both Chet and Wemby make an all defense team. Yeah. 
That would be cool. I mean, I thought at a certain point, like co-rookie of the year would be a possibility. Um, yeah. Would have been, been kind of, I think it would have been cool. There's precedent for it. So, um, yep. and they're both awesome. Like they're just both awesome. That's why I hate with the like, when people get so mad about the award stuff. Like they're yes. both awesome players. Yeah. Like I don't um, want to, I don't want to dislike Chet Holmgren because, either. because Thunder fans think he's I, whatever it's like, i don't yeah, want to okay, hate fans more it's you know just what? like yeah yeah we we don't let's just move past it um we, we have more to talk about first the tried and true formula in life when discussing sports uh politics entertainment whatever it might be trevor we're doing winners and losers from the rodeo road trip okay <laughs> and i'm gonna I'm going to kick it to you first. Um, I know I said, like, come up with three. Let's just go for a little bit and see, because we might have some that overlap. We haven't, by the way, we haven't told one another what our, who our winners and losers are. So there, there Correct. is likely to be a scenario in which we have to adjust on the fly, but we wanted to make it a little bit interesting. Uh, see if our brains are functioning at this point in the day. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to cede the floor to you first, Trevor, winner, loser, whichever one. Go for it. Well, so, Matt, one of my three <clears throat> is Victor Wembanyama, but I guess we should just like that's an easy one. The guy got mm-hmm. a five by almost had a five by five in two straight games, but had like got one uh, first player so, in NBA history to average a five by five over a two game stretch. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll just I, I established uh, I would actually like to. Uh, give my first winner to Jeremy Soham because I think oh. he's just settling into this. Uh, I always thought of him as like an Aaron Gordon, Boris Diaw hybrid, like as far as like the type of player he would become, this off the ball, like connecting piece. Um, the numbers don't really show that he's had a good stretch here, at least the shooting numbers. But I don't know, man. I just watch him and it just seems like him and Wemby have really established the synergy he's really figured out where he should be on the court the shot's not falling right now and I mean I think like on the season he's 33 percent he's back down to 33 percent from three uh, on low volume I think we might just need to uh as far as setting expectations just kind of understand that like that's where he's going to be and he's probably going to be like he's probably going to have a month where he shoots 40 percent or whatever right uh, from three, and then there's going to be another month. Like in his last twenty games, he's twenty five percent from three. Like oh, I think yeah. we just, I think we, just, and and honestly, that's on three attempts. So he's still making like a three a game, um, which is not that different than his season average. So I, when you're low volume, like making an extra three <laughs> every third game, uh, really changes what your numbers look like. But I think that's just kind of what. But defensively he's everywhere and it's just kind of fun to just see him flying around the court um he i, I matt have you am, am i just is this like um like a an internal bias he cannot finish around the basket like in uh yeah. in traffic like it is just hard as hell for him to do that like um but aside from no, that, I don't, like I, I don't, I don't think it's a bias. I, okay. I don't have his, I don't have his rim numbers in front of me. Uh, yeah, um, I don't either. But 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 no, I mean he he struggles um he even had a game i think it wasn't it was against sacramento he missed five layups in that game and like four of them were point blank like easy they should have been i think that was more of a blip 
like we know that he can finish around the rim when he's not like heavily contested but yeah but to your point like the contested stuff no he he definitely struggles uh finishing around the rim with the contested stuff yeah and he definitely missed some bunnies and i was just like oh, all right whatever like that's frustrating but whatever but yeah it's just like the like when he's at the and you know Sac- sacramento's not a uh um a big team and so like that's the games where i'm like he should be able to finish through this contact yeah. like he should be able to just get uh higher <laughs> than the guys he's played but maybe it's just like he's just not super explosive off two feet yet um because when he gets a, a runway he he can get up and yeah he can authority um yep. so i just think it's um i don't know maybe 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 he just needs to get stronger so he can work on his on his on how explosive he is off of two feet um I think but it's more I, of a honestly. I think it's more of a touch thing, man. Like, oh, yeah? I, and because okay. I don't think he's ever gonna be like he's a strong guy. He's gonna get stronger, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how it, like explosive, explosive he's ever gonna be. Um, he's got plenty of it, and he, like you said, <laughs> like he is one of the things that he's doing this year. When he dunks, he dunks hard. And he's yeah. like swinging on the rim and he's like really bending it and stuff. And and um, I've been impressed by that sort of development when he does go strong to the rim. But I, I just think this is one of those areas of his game. Like this is a this dude coming into the league. It was he was more this sort of theoretical player than he was than he was this yeah. tangible, um, obvious someone with these obvious tangible strengths. And so you knew that this that this was going to be a, a process with him. The three-pointer, despite it still looking funky, is like clearly better than it was last year. You hope yep. that that continues to develop. The finishing around the rim is another area of his game that needs to develop. Remember, he's still 20. He's 20 years old. Um, he was re- really young in his draft class. So I think this stuff will come. I don't know if he's ever going to be some elite finisher around the rim. But, you know, I give it a little time. Like, I think there are still years left of real development uh, in, in terms of the long-term process with Jeremy Sohan. Yes. And I, that's all to say that, like, I think now that he seems to be more comfortable and him and Victor seem to be more comfortable playing off of each other. And that's the thing I've really noticed in the last month or so. So during the rodeo road trip. And one of the things with him that that I I wrote about, uh, I think in the last El Conclusion, uh, was his rebounding numbers are going way up. And you like that was something last year as a rookie. You're like, how does he only have like three rebounds? Or what he has three or four, or maybe five rebounds in a game. You're playing the four. Like you really you have you have four offensive rebounds and one defensive rebound. Like come on, yeah. man. <laughs> like you, your help is needed on the glass. Um, his his rebounding numbers have really jumped and i think that's a good sign it's funny that you bring him up as a winner because two games ago i would have been right there with you over the last two games the defense is fine the defense is his strength we've seen him start to understand players better we've seen him uh learn how to navigate screens better we also see that like he's a lot more at home guarding wings than he is like point guards and yeah. e- and uh even at times like you know when uh both when Victor Wem- this I think it was the Lakers game when Victor Wembanyama was out of the game Zach Collins got in really quick foul trouble 
Um, and he was guarding AD Anthony Davis a few times and he kind of held his own. So, but I think we're starting to see like how really effective he is as a wing defender, both on and off the ball. These last two games, Trevor, do you know how many points he scored total in the last two games? I mean, I have his stats in front of me, so oh, I, sh- I could probably very quickly find it. Why don't you tell no, me? No, just guess oh, right now. In the last two games. Yeah. Uh, five points? One. Wow. He hit. A, he has zero field goals <clears throat> in the last two games, just a made free throw. That made me like, when I was thinking of winners and losers, it like made me take him from a winner and like slightly move it into the loser category because like what in the world I thought there I thought he was so effective and this is he's sort of a a, uh his success in terms of how he's sort of morphed back into this role that he had last year where he's cutting off the ball a lot he's diving to the rim he's just opportunistic guy Others are creating for him. He's not really creating for himself. And when he does, it hasn't been pretty the last two games. Um, I I don't know where he went offensively. Um, Then again, if I'm not mistaken, the last two games, the Spurs have turned the ball over 19 times and 23 times. It was 23 or 24 turnovers against the Wolves. So like the offense isn't even getting into its set. Maybe it's unfair for me to move him into loser category, but... But um, I, I, there was a there was at least a temptation to do so because he just disappeared offensively in two of the uglier games that the Spurs have played this year. I think sure. it's safe to say so. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, we'll move on to for me. Uh, winner, and this is actually a, a group of players and. I outside of Victor Wembanyama, It. You, you kind of have to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find a bunch of winners with this team right now. I don't mean that as an insult. It just is what it is when you go one and eight on the rodeo road trip and your record is 11 and 48. Um, it's, it's tough. But since the All-Star break, we've seen really good signs from Julian Champagny, Zach Collins, and Malachi Branham. You saw Collins in Sacramento and he was really bad that night. But since that game, he's it, it, since that game, the three pointers come back online. Uh, some of the passing passing numbers have come, come back online. I've I wrote recently that, like, if I'm the Spurs, I am not totally concerned about the defensive side of the ball right now, because whatever with him, with with Zach Collins. If I'm the Spurs, I just want to see that ball go through the freaking hoop. Like, you want to see him get his confidence back and, like, be in the right mental state. And he's hit five of his last seven three-pointers after going 0 for February through the All-Star break from the the three-point line. He was shooting, like, the month of – over, like, a month stretch, he was shooting, like, 4% from three. So, to see that thing start going back in post-All-Star break is – it's a small sample, but it's a good sign. Yeah, he so he had a couple nice moves. That game I saw, <clears throat> offensively he was fine. It was just defensively he was just like mm-hmm. he he was a step late. He was just like I don't know. Like he's, I don't know. he's reg- don't get me wrong. Like he's regressed on that side of the ball right. this season. Right. But like my point is like get that confidence back to where he's in the right right place mentally, and then maybe he can get back to the like solid 
defender that he was last year. Like we know he has it in him. Also to your point that he is. Um, so when you were saying that Sohan uh, more comfortable guarding wings and let's just say like yeah. two through two through four nominally. And it just shows the importance of Zach Collins or somebody as a backup center, because it's like, you can't just like put Sohan at the five with backup units or, you know what I right. mean? Like, like, they still need a backup center that's going to come in and and somebody who might need to be out there with Jeremy Sohan, like they need to have somebody who can stretch the floor too. So that really does speak to the importance of Zach Collins finding his shot again, finding his confidence again. Um, the contract is what the contract is. Is it um, – it kicks in. His extension kicks in next year, right? Yeah, next year. So that's the other thing. He cannot be a zero if they also need to use him as a trade chip because he's got two years – left on his contract so for right. both financial and just like on the court reasons he needs to be able to shoot and he needs and because then i think that also just boosts his confidence for everything else yeah and you know uh, one of the things that uh, considering his struggles from the three-point line we're seeing him roll to the rim a lot more and mm -hmm. even when he pops he's doing the thing where he catches it and he, he even when he's open he'll do the thing where he's turning and looking for the dribble handoff i'm sure that somewhere up the chain, like probably pop, I'm almost a hundred percent sure it would be pop. He's saying, chill out on the three point shooting. Like we don't want you yep. shooting seven or eight of them a game right now. Um, but at the same time, I was looking his numbers up on synergy. He has been the role man in the pick and roll. And I'm talking about rolling to the basket, not popping. He's right. rolled to the basket almost as like, I think it's like 56 times this year. All of last year, he rolled to the basket 60 times. Like, wow. He's, and he's, he's okay as a roll man, but he's not great in traffic. I think we've seen that. And, mm -hmm. and at the same time, he's also playing a whole bunch of minutes with Blake Wesley, who, despite the improvements, like that he's not really a maestro <laughs> in the pick and roll. I think it's fair to say. So yeah. it's kind of a... a, a, a Whenever, whenever, especially Wesley and Collins run pick and roll together, things just seem to be like this glob in the middle of the floor and defenders are sort of descending on the paint because they're not worried about the Spurs' terrible three-point shooting. So yeah. it's just kind of a messy situation. I'm just looking for him, for Collins to start popping again. Let Blake Wesley have sort of a, a freer lane to the basket for him to attack. Um, if just, if the three-pointer keeps going in, ideally you just want to see him start to take more and more um but again only if it's going in because they it was it's been just a disaster um another part of this group i i've been and i'll get to these a lot more quickly with collins is a big conversation obviously has been all year um but also malachi branham he's starting to hit threes him. man he's starting to hit threes yep. and he the teams were leaving him open which is so crazy when you look back in, in, in the draft cycle, you're like, you got this 40% three-point shooter, um, really good in the mid-range. Like this guy's sort of, his mechanics are great. He's, he, he understands, he has spatial awareness. He knows how to get to his spots despite, you know, not really being super explosive. Um, but now that he's knocking down threes, and I, met, I talked about this with Bruno last week, uh, now that he's hitting threes, Defenders are chasing him off the line and he's now able to get to his mid range and get open looks from there where he's deadly. Um, or so that's or dunk on thing. LeBron. 
or a dunk on LeBron's head. And we've been waiting for that lefty dunk from Malachi for a yeah. year and a half now. We, we've seen him try it a number of times. Hadn't quite gotten there, but he got it. And what a guy to get it on. Like his, his hero, the guy he followed, yep. you know, the reason he went to Ohio State, all this stuff. So that was pretty cool. But Malachi Branham, man, he's starting to come online. And that'll be a, a huge boon for, for that bench group because they've just been – it's been so difficult to keep that bench group afloat this season. So I also had him in my winner's category. And okay. Mostly because the shot was falling again. So – uh, he's 32% from three on the season, which is bad. Uh, but in the last but that's up games, from like 28 or 29, you know? Yeah, he's he had a real rough stretch right in the middle. Uh, but so he's last 20 games, 36%, which is fine. Uh, last 15 games, uh, 39.5. Same for the last 10 games. In his last five games, he's on a bit of a heater. He's 57.1%. Yeah. Um, still relative. Well, actually, not even that low volume because he's only playing between 15 and 20 minutes a game, depending on which stretch you're looking at. Um, so yeah, like him finding his shot is going to be easier for this. It's going to help the Spurs find a role for him. I think that they, you know, they experimented with him as the lead ball handler in between, I guess, co-lead ball handler in between point Sohan and, uh, and just finally turning it over to Trey. And that was whatever. Um, but yeah, I think like, just like, Come in and cook off the bench is like, if that's the role he played, I mean, he's the twentieth pick in the draft. Like, yep, you're, you know, you're not expecting that much more. That's for great. Him. Yeah, yeah, if you get this kind of stuff from him going forward, it, that's that's he's, great. He's you know two assists to one turnover, so it's not like he's like a black hole um, when he has the ball. He's not right. you know, he's yeah. not making he's not making a ton of mistakes on offense. At least not like, not with the ball in his hand. You know, defensively, I think he's young and probably never had to worry about defense before last year so or even this year so you just figure it out I mean I think that's the hard part for us as fans with with these young teams is like everyone's so bad on defense <laughs> and yeah. um and it's mostly just an experience thing and so and I I have to constantly remind myself um how young the team is and that's part of the reason they suck so bad on defense uh Julian Champagne on the other hand does not suck on defense no he doesn't he doesn't. He's a good defender, and he was another part of this little winner group that I had. I, you know, I, I wrote prior to the 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 All Star break, just like just like asking, where the hell is Julian Champagne? Like mm -hmm. he's on the floor, and you like forget that he's there, and he's he's not moving the way like we know he can. Uh, he is only getting up a couple of shots, and every once in a while he throws up an air ball from three. Like, it, he has one of those every few games. It's kind of crazy. Um, but since the All-Star break, I've, we've just noticed a lot more activity from him. He's he's cutting, he's diving, he's chasing space. He's not making everything. It's I think he's in the uh, – let, let me look real quick. During the rodeo road trip, he's been – I mean, he's been bad in the nine games, 25.8% from three. That obviously has to come up, but real quick, let me look at post All-Star break. I am filibustering as the page loads, and yeah, uh, still bad since the All-Star break from three. But at, at the very least, at the very least, I've seen him play good defense and be more active offensively. The You know, we know he's a streaky shooter, right? We've already yeah. seen, like, he'll go through stretches where he's he'll hit three or four in a row and then he'll miss four or five in a row. And then he'll, he'll go 
one for five and whatever. Like we know that he's a streaky shooter. Obviously you want to boost that, but I, I wanted to sneak Champagne in there. Um, because I just like, when I looked at the plus minus from the road trip, he had the best plus minus on the team over the last, since the all-star break. So four games. And a lot of that has to do with his defense. Like he is very active when he's not hitting his shots, when he's not playing that well offensively, he is at least being aggressive on that side of the ball. And there, there were a number of games where he was trying to dunk on people in, yep. over the last four games. I don't know how ideal it is for him to be continuing to try that, but I can appreciate aggression from a guy who was sort of non-existent before the All-Star break. Well, part of me thinks like that's really good because it'll catch teams off guard and mm-hmm. like they're not they're not expecting that. So at least Maybe he's getting in the line a couple times a game, and that's just racking up extra fouls. And then, as we know, like <laughs> Wemby can is going to become if he's not already like a bit of a a foul draw magnet. Um, yeah. So I just think the more aggressive he can be, the the better it's going to be for everybody because he's easily you know when he's in, especially when he's in that starting lineup, like he's the fifth option. So if your fifth option can be as aggressive as he's been. Like, it just helps everybody else. You have to account for him. Yes. Whereas before, defenses were, like, practically playing five on four. So, uh, yeah, that that in and of itself is – it it matters. Uh, Okay, who else you got? Uh, that was it. I was. I just. That's it. Wanted, okay. I wanted to. I just wanted to celebrate Wemby off the top. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I think you know, we could I, probably celebrate Wemby with like every podcast because. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Minnesota game was not good. It was one of the worst games for him of the season, maybe the worst. But, uh, but yeah, he's just he's incredible. He's incredible. I I did want to uh, just to finish this off. I'll give one more loser. I I, I hate to do it to him. But but, Keldon, man, yeah, I, get, getting getting benched, you know, the team leader getting benched uh, after four minutes in the first quarter, benched for repetitive mistakes. Um, he had a rough rodeo road trip. He had a couple of games where uh, he was nice and efficient and played his role well. But the shot wasn't falling. The three pointers were definitely not falling. Um. And it's just, it's tough to, you know, I I think that he's adjusted pretty well to his role off the bench. Like he has embraced it. Doesn't seem like he's down about anything. Right. Um, It's, but the rodeo road trip was uh, not great for him. Shot 41% from the floor, 31% from three. Only two assists a game. I, and I know he's playing fewer minutes, um, but, you know, he's been in that. He's averaged a career high in assists this year. He's been a much, much better as a passer. Um, seen a little bit more tunnel vision from him lately. And something needs to, I, I think that the rodeo road trip toward the end, like everyone was t- sort of dragged into the mud. Nothing looked pretty. So uh, I, I think that, especially with the benching, I just, you got to give Keldon a loser for the road trip. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he responds because they're, they're going to need a lot from him. And I know he had 20 in his, in his, in the game against Minnesota, you know, one game after, after being benched, um, wasn't very efficient. That game got out of hand. 
The Spurs made a big comeback in the fourth quarter, like actually got that game to six points late in the game, which was which was kind of crazy. But it's still just another one of these games where it's like, where is this stuff like in the meat of the game? Like, I know the other team sort of has a letdown when they have a big lead. They kind of chill out and the Spurs take advantage. (laughs) We've we've talked about this before. The Spurs like sure do take advantage of garbage time minutes. Um, But uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh Keldon needs to Keldon needs to bounce back and he's a guy who has, you know, in his in his young career so far has uh historically done so. So it'll be probably really good for these guys to get a bunch of home games here down the stretch in the final whatever 23 games I think remaining. So I think that's right. Yeah. So anyway, um those were winners and losers. If we missed some, and we probably did, please let us know on Twitter or like in when I post this in the newsletter, in the comment section, something like that. I'm sure some of y'all disagree, <laughs> and I'm sure some of y'all can add to this. So please do. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and right after, we're going to get to some mailbag questions. You guys send in some good ones. So uh, we'll be back in a second. All right, uh, we're back. Again, thank you guys for sending in these mailbag questions. Uh, we're we're going to get to a few of them. Y'all sent in a bunch. Too many to get to here. Again, thank you for that. I will, as I mentioned in the chat, I'm going to uh, get to some of these in a mailbag at the Corporate Knowledge Substack. So everyone's going to be included in this. Don't you worry. Um, but let's start from the top. Trevor, you've had a chance to look at some of these. And I, I gave I you have. A, sort of an outline of, of which ones we're going to get to. And uh, let's start with Tyler. The very first, the very first uh, question. Tyler writes, I still hear a ton of Chet should be rookie of the year talk, but feel like that conversation is basically over. That's not my question, though. See, Trevor, do you see what I'm talking about? People are still hung up on this. Like, yeah, we're, we yeah. can settle it. He's right. Tyler's right. Um, Tyler, I'm just messing with you. I appreciate you. Um, but here's the question. And I'm going to kick this to you, Trevor, because this is your area. If you ha- and I will have some thoughts afterward. I'll respond to it, but uh, this is your area. Um, if you had your pick, who would you draft this offseason that you think would best fit next to Victor Wembanyama? Who loses their spot to that person? At this point, I'm not sure any other factors really matter that much. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Um, <laughs> I think to the second part... Um... I think building a team around Wemby, I think you're right, Tyler. Building a team around Wemby is the um, is the goal here. Um, whereas before it was just like you were looking for that that top building block. And they have that now, so you're right. Now it's, it's all about making the pieces fit around him. So uh, let's keep in mind now the Raptors are on a bit of a surge here. And they have are. moved out of that bottom six, meaning that uh, barring them jumping up, the Spurs could have two picks in the top ten here, um, and they're so. they're only I say only they're they're five games back of the play in. Yeah, so like they're still trying, but the thing that hurts them at this point is that um, Atlanta, who's the ten seed right now, is like ever since Trey Young got injured, they're blowing people out, and they've kept two straight opponents to under a hundred points. <laughs> 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 there we go. Uh, so I'm not saying the, anything. I'm not saying anything. You're not. Uh, to pardon the, draft the, pardon the coughing. I was just clearing my throat. 
Nothing had nothing to do with Trey Young. Um, I would say Zachary Risha say. Uh, again, I I could be butchering that name. I feel like I've heard it enough times. No, Zachary Risha mm-hmm. All right. Uh, small forward, six nine, plays in France for uh, Borg. Uh, just a, a good movement shooter. Reminds me, like if you're just looking for a a rough player comp. A little bit of Michael Porter Jr. in there, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just like the idea of them having a guy who's like a good movement shooter, who's big enough to um, defend a lot of different positions. I think he would fit not only with Wemby really well; he'd fit with Sohan because of his shooting. Uh, so you do have, because um, I think you know uh, Alex Sar is a power forward slash center out of. Perth, uh, who I think a lot of people have talked about because of his defensive versatility, but man, yeah. if he can't shoot, and, yeah. and he might he might be able to shoot. It's not, but he's uh, the the bones of a shooter are there. But if he can't, you cannot have Wemby, Jeremy, and somebody else who can't shoot. In I was in about the... I was going to ask you that, man, because I like Sar is one of those guys that in a vacuum I know you're a fan of, just yeah. because that's like the, that's your type. Yes. But you, he, I was, I was gonna ask you, like, can you draft him if he can't shoot? If you don't have I mean, confidence that he'll be able to shoot? Yeah, I, I think you could draft him at like seven or eight if, if right. you don't have because then it's like if your seventh pick ends up being like your first guy off the bench, your first big off the bench or whatever. That's not like you're not gonna like get killed for that. Um, but if you top three, I mean, you want this person to be a starter, to be uh, yeah. a contributor, and and. So that's why I like Risha say uh, a lot of people are high on Cody Williams, who's um, oh what I'm already blanking on his name. Uh, the homie Jalen Williams, Williams' brother. Yeah. Yes, this Jalen Williams' brother, like prototypical wing. Um, I don't love his shot making ability or his shot creating ability. Um, yeah, but we'll see. Um, I also uh, Nikola Topic is another guy people have talked about again cannot shoot right now a good free throw shooter but cannot shoot from three and it's like you know i i don't know how cramped this the, the floor spacing can be for the spurs uh to be a successful offense um so a little bit farther down if they have that toronto pick i do like the kentucky guards rob dillingham and reed shepherd they're both small but like Man, they could just do stuff. And so I was actually that was my my uh, when I when I followed up, I was gonna I was gonna sort of home like home in on that uh, those Kentucky guards. They're small, but like there's something about them. And 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 I'm getting more into Reed Shepard because my God, man, like that dude, he's small, but he defends the hell out of people. He he can steal, he can block, he can jump, he can shoot. He's crafty. Like he's not gonna blow by you off the dribble, but he can attack closeouts, and like, my God, dude, he can shoot. <laughs> he can really shoot. Um, you've are and you've already talked about Zachary Reese First of all, great name, a yep. built-in three-point call for for Bill Land and Bill Shoning, <laughs> the Bills. Yes. You know yes. that's a Reese Trey. Um, or a or a three chassé. Oh, a three chassé. Look at that. I like that's yeah. way better. That's much better. Uh, but so I, and I am a big Reese fan. I think he's probably the guy that uh, would actually I want to go back to something real quick because I am really interested to ask Brian Wright whenever we get the chance pre-draft. Um, they've been doing the best player available thing 
And yeah. really, at this point of a rebuild, that should still be the approach. But now that you have Wembenyama, like, is there extra focus on finding someone that fits alongside him? And I, I think that you kind of have to, right? Like, there has to be an element of of fit here. You can't keep stockpiling and, like, trying to kick things, you know, kick a can down the road, so to speak, to to utilize these guys as assets, unless you, like, say they get the number one pick and say it's, like, Alexander Saar is clearly the best available. Do you just draft him and then deal him to someone? Like, deal right. him to... uh to the the team that wants him most that really needs him and try to find some sort of transaction on draft night that can earn you more capital and still give you the opportunity to maybe uh drop back in the draft a little bit to get the guy that that you want to see fit alongside Wimby. I don't know, there's a lot coming up. Um but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think uh Risashe and and Topic are like those are the the guys that I like most. I'm not yeah. I haven't really had a chance to like sink my teeth into the draft yet. So this is all sort of just pretty general thoughts on what I have seen. Not, I like Cody Williams. I don't like his shot. I don't know yeah. if it, it, it he, you know, he, he kind of has the, um. you want to talk like, I love Jalen Williams and it, he took a little while to develop his shot. So it, maybe there's a chance his brother is in the same mold. His brother's only 19. Jalen Williams, you know, didn't really come on until he was whatever, 22, yeah. um, 21 or 22. So, you know, I think it's worth considering. But all of these guys, like, I actually like this draft. Like, I think they're interesting dudes, but they all have, like, one serious flaw, at least one serious flaw that uh, could be tough to overcome. But if they do, they could be really valuable players. So yeah. it's an interesting draft from that standpoint. It and one thing I'll say just to, with the Kentucky guards, um, again, I think those guys are both probably in the like six to 10 range, probably. Um, but Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard are both Kentucky guards. A seem to uh, always outplay their draft outcome, which is, you know, at this point I'm just done doubting Kentucky guards. Yeah. But also because of Cal's system and he just brings in like, he'll bring in like seven guards in a draft class. If that's, what he wants to do these guys all learn to play off the ball and play on the ball and yeah. the spurs seem to really value guys who can do a little bit on the ball and a little bit off yeah. the ball yeah. and both of those guys can do that shepherds more off ball than on ball the inverse with dillingham but they can both yeah. do that and if you're worried about their size this is not you man this is spurs fans you cannot also be like they are too small trade for trey young please <laughs> right you cannot do those you cannot do yeah. both of those things uh, so that's that's I just wanted to make that point about Kentucky guards and why we should not doubt, stop doubting. Well, Kentucky and guards. and you know Spurs fans would argue that like the Trey Young offensive game and is the the threat and the gravity that he has kind of offsets the size. But no, I'm with sure. you because because like still Trey Young is not like he's not this super efficient player anyway, right. and he's not a good finisher at the rim and like. 42% from the floor, 37% from three on high volume. Like uh, he, he, and he has the ball in his hands a ton. Like we've talked about this already. We've talked, I don't, I don't want to keep diving into the Trey Young conversation. I do think right. it's going to be interesting all the way up until, you know, trade season starts and free agency starts, blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, 
do you, uh, but yeah, do you have any final thoughts on, on the draft thing? Uh, no, no, plenty of time for us to, there is a lot of that. Okay. All right. This one's from Aaron. Uh, who are your intriguing free agents outside of the Trey young trade chatter? Is there anyone else in the league that you think the Spurs would viably target for a trade? Um, Free agency is like in the NBA is like damn near dead, but it like all of the, unless you're acquiring, and this is what the Spurs have always liked to do. Uh, obviously there's the LaMarcus Aldridge thing, but that's kind of an, a, a kind of an outlier situation for them when they signed him. And that's back when like free agency was a thing. Like people would tour around and, and like go yes. visit teams and teams would visit them. They don't even do that anymore. Free agency is for all intents and purposes dead. Like the majority of um, roster building comes via trade these days, unless you're yeah. going out and finding a role player, like someone like, you know, like a Doug McDermott, whatever. Um, or is that Collins? Just things like that, where you can find these guys who you think, could like help your team. Um, but they're role players. They're not very expensive because you're always going to have to overpay in free agency. So you'd usually, and, and look at the free agent list. Did you, have you had a chance to look at the free agent list? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, it's not I, even I worth a, it. <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a couple names. They're not exciting names, okay. but they would, they would fill needs. Um, okay. So again, if the Spurs don't go guard in the draft and mm -hmm. Trey Young, or whoever just proves to be too expensive for their tastes. Uh, I still think um, just this is a stopgap solution, and it's a it's a fun narrative. Tyus Jones, unite mm. unite the Jones brothers. Mm -hmm. um, okay, you know, like I think the big difference between Tyus and and Trey is Tyus shoots forty three percent from three. It's a great um, shooter, man. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, so but like otherwise they are super similar and so there's that another guy i did not realize this guy was a free agent matt he has a player option uh caleb martin um so if you're just like we just want to beef up our defense we want to just yeah. just get some more seasoned wings in here to help uh to help stabilize this thing caleb martin i think could be like a good like i don't think he would be super costly i don't know if the heat are gonna have some sort of voodoo where they get him to opt into his player option um the heat seem to do that though i don't know how they how they do that um but again those are these are like mid-level exception guys you know or like just a little bit more than mid-level exception guys which the spurs at this point i think have like 20 million bucks in cap space mm -hmm. so that might be what they target um because you're right otherwise this is a this is a trade this 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 league is a trade league now for yeah. the for the big guys and I so. actually, I actually filtered away from player option guys. I was just looking at unrestricted free agents because typically speaking, yeah. like dudes are going to opt into their player option. But Caleb Martin is a guy that like, if he has another really good playoff run, like yeah. teams are going to want him. He's not making that much money. So there's a, there's a really good chance that he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm declining my 7 million. Cause I'm going to go get 20 million somewhere. It's um, really funny that we are like, because, you know, back in the day when the Spurs were awesome and never had cap space. Yeah, so he makes $6.8 million now, and then next year, his player option for 7.1. So he should opt out of that. And at least, go get, at least go get the mid-level exception from somebody, even if it's the Heat, you know? Right. Uh, but um, I was going to say, it's just funny, like, it used to be like, oh my god, are they going to get Brent Barry? 
and because they were so good and like that's all they could afford was to go get a big role player like Brent Berry and now free agency has skewed so much that I'm like oh my god is this bad team gonna go get Caleb Barton <laughs> like, it's just right like, right so but that's just where we are so it, it, you're right like there are some guys like even like a you know hell Kyle Anderson would be funny to bring back yes um Doug McDermott would be kind of funny to bring back. The Spurs need shooting. It's it's allowed. It's allowed. The Spurs need shooting. Uh, You know, I'm sure Spurs fans would look at like Pascal Siakam, but the the Pacers aren't making that trade if uh, if they are not confident that he's going to re-sign with them. So, um, and, you know, the Klay Thompsons and LeBron James and Paul Georges of the world and you know, those guys are out of the question. Not like the Spurs would uh, want those, probably want those guys anyway. Um, Tobias Harris, no thanks. James Harden, James Harden, no thanks. That's Drew Holidays. Thing. Some of these guys are just like, like, if it was Tobias Harris like three years ago, four years ago, I might right. be, I might be more open to it because oh, sure, he is like, sure. He is like a good complimentary scorer to, to but not this and, Tobias, but not now. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, like they're not there yet. Uh, Drew Holiday, he's going to opt. If he doesn't like retire, he's going to opt into that $40 million player option. That's not, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. not going anywhere. Um, yeah. you know, and we'll actually finish up with this. Like I said, y'all, um, we got to get out of here in a second, but I'm going to get to the the rest of these in a mailbag. So don't fret. But the last thing I'll say is because he asked about trade targets, my thought process, I don't think that uh, this is not a uh, how do i put it not a fully informed take just sort of an educated hunch i guess i'll call it uh, if the spurs do make a trade this summer i don't think they're going to be swinging big like i know that everyone's excited about the trey the possibility of trey young i am not convinced that they're going to go pursue him. I think they're more likely to target a handful of teams that might be looking to get out of their situations, whether that is uh, teams that are strapped for cash that are way into the luxury tax um, or teams that might want to blow it up or just teams that have way too much depth and may need some assets in return. Um, And I'm talking about like trading for, like an elite role player, a veteran elite type of role player. Like I'm just throwing these out as sort of examples of what I'm talking about, but like depending on what the Chicago Bulls do, is Alex Caruso available? Depending on what Minnesota is they're they're about to have to pay so much money and depending on what they want to do, is it possible that Nas Reed becomes available? if they want to keep all their stars, they're probably more likely to like deal cat than they are to deal Nas Reed. Um, I was thinking Dorian Finney Smith along the same lines, Matt. <laughs> Hold on. Dorian Finney Smith. Really? For are like, you being serious right now? Yeah, yeah. no, like if it, for like it, to use, like, so they have like 900 picks in the next two to three sure. years. So like, what's the worst pick? What's the worst first round pick they have? The nets are, in need of picks because they don't have their own because all yeah, due respect I don't know. to Sean I, Marks. I mean, I think that like, I think you're thinking I'm, I'm not a big Dorian Finney Smith guy, 
But I think we're thinking on think, the same level of player, though. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying. Um, but, I, you know, I just think it's like one of those things where you want to target teams that are looking to, yes. to move guys for whatever reason. And um, there are a handful of those teams. I'm kind of just going off the top of my head right now, but like with the Wolves and the Bulls and like the Pelicans are getting crowded. They've yep. had a bunch yes. of guys that they've drafted. They still have picks coming up. Um, I was so, thinking... Um, yeah. I, a because the Warriors need to save money, and B because he just seems to never stay in that rotation. But like Moses Moody would be like a a, a good buy low, like just here, yeah. Like, let, let's help you out financially. I so I think I'm more aiming at like the guys we know are good, and okay, I yeah. and I and I'm not saying like Moody. I, I'm not saying I don't like Moody, or there's no oh, we, no we don't we don't we don't know if he's good. <laughs> he hasn't played yeah, enough right. to know that. Right, no, we don't know that he's actually good. Um, so because like the thing that this that the Spurs really do need right now is more solid, proven, trustworthy veteran presence, right? Like it's, I think at some point along the way there will be another star if someone like Devin doesn't make a big leap and become one of his own. Like that's going to happen at some point, and they have a whole bunch of bites at the apple coming up over the next two years. So I'm much more in the camp of being patient, not, not as good as Victor is. He still has a long way to go to really develop into what he's going to be. Uh, maybe not as long as most prospects. He's still probably, but he's still probably a year or two away. Uh, I think it's safe to say I, he's probably like five years away from his prime. Um, so I just, I don't, I know everyone is like uncomfortable with this idea of losing a lot with Victor Wembanyama, but I do believe that like internal development, bringing in more talent in the draft, bringing in proven veterans, uh, veteran role players, or like whatever mid-level, like starting caliber, whatever you want to say, not necessarily like the stars that you're going to have to overpay to get and who are going to be like Trey Young, just as an example, like he's eligible for an extension already this summer. So like we talked about his $43 million cap hit being not that much, which is crazy, but he's going to be eligible for like $60 million coming up. So like we're, you're already talking about moving into this situation where you're starting to really overpay for guys. And I don't think the Spurs are quite there yet. And it would be one thing if it was like Anthony Edwards or something. This is but Trey Young is not Anthony Edwards, or I'm just throwing Anthony Edwards' name out there because they just played the Wolves and it was the first name that came to mind. But um, anyway, I just I uh, there are more sort of similar questions in the chat, um, and uh, like I said, I'll get to those. But we got to get out of here. It's going to be an interesting summer. They they have big decisions to make. Do you take the swing? Do you remain methodical? Like big questions coming up this summer, a big job ahead for Brian Wright and the rest of that front office. Um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that because the Spurs aren't going to be in the playoffs. So during the final stretch of the season, we're not going to have uh, basketball games to talk about. So a lot of stuff coming on the draft, trade stuff. Once we kind of have a better feel for what this team looks like at the end of the year, free agency stuff, blah, blah, blah. We'll see what sort of drama unfolds around the league. Like, do does a team get upset in the first or second round and everyone's pissed off and they want to blow things up? Who knows? Um, but we'll get into a lot of that uh, in the coming months. Trevor, 
thank you for coming on, man. Um, we'll do this again soon. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say? Do you have anything else you want to finish with? I don't think so. <laughs> I had Devin Vassell thoughts, but I want to save yeah. them. Okay, I would like to save, save them. them. Okay, and and that was a question in the chat. Um, but we got to get out of here. We will get. We'll we'll have plenty maybe, of maybe time I'll to talk sub, about Devin Vassell. Maybe I'll submit my thoughts on that for the mailbag. Oh, okay. You want to be maybe, a, I'll, maybe I'll just shoot you a, a quick paragraph. Yeah. on my thoughts, and you could slide that in. Hey, man, I'm happy to have you as a guest yeah. on the mailbag. Yeah. So okay, okay, we'll do that. All right, Trevor, I appreciate you, man. Um, thank you everyone for listening. And if you want to, it would be wonderful if, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to small market bias, leave a rating, leave a review. If you'd like, um, it's great to see that every time they pop up and it certainly helps us. Um, again, thank y'all for listening, Trevor. I'll talk to you soon. This has been small market bias brought to you by bet online part of the Believe Network. Dive right in, let's